Good evening, Shalom Aleichem, and welcome to today's uh, Shir, Parshas Baaloisacha. And uh, so we'll go straight into our first, uh, was uh, dedicated in honor of the yard site of uh, Sudak, Rabbi Nachman Sudak, Allah Shalom's yard site is today. Um, okay, let's go to our first question. Okay, so someone contacted me earlier in the week, last week. They're very much into Dikduk. And was wondering about the wording in Shmoina Esra, the S Kolmanesvu Osala Toivo, or the Ace Kolmanesvu Osala Toivo. In most Sidurim, it is spelt the S Kolmine, and in Chabad, it is the Ace Kolmine. So he's asking, how precise is it? So, what I'm showing you here is the First print of the Alter Rebbe, so that's the gray background. The, the other print is the second print, which we have. So this, the lower one, is printed in Samach Gimel, Tafk of Samach Gimel, in the Alter Rebbe's lifetime. The other one is Tafk of Ayinvov, three after, years after his passing. There were several editions in between. However, we never, uh, we don't have copies of those. Not, not, not known to exist. So what we're seeing here is that there were, was a change here from the S culminate, as you can see clearly in the gray background, to the ace. Now, we've gone through this several times. The Alter Rebbe, uh, as we know, very much uh, focused on the diktuk background of the Siddha. And he um, looked into the, the contemporary Medakitikim, masters of diktuk of his time. And one of them is uh, clearly Reb Zalman Hena, who lived about uh, a generation or two before the Alter Rebbe. So in Reb Zalman Hena's Siddha, so he wrote a, a volume called Tsoyahar Hateva, which is all to, uh, about the words of davening. But then he also published a Siddha called Based filler. He published in two editions, one in a place called The Hague in Haag in Holland, the other one place published in Yesnitz. Uh, one was Tafkov, I don't remember exactly Tafkov Lamad Zion, but whatever. One was Tafkov Pei Hay, one was Tafkov Lamad Zion. So one was before the Altareb was born, one was in uh, when the Altareb was a young man. And he uh, addresses the wording of Ace Colmenes to also and why he changed from a segel to a tseire. So let's just read his wording. Ha'alef b'tseire, that the word v'es should be read v'es, with a tseire, ki mishpat halosh, kasher tovoy na'acharim milas v'es kol, shtey milas ruhutos. When you go after the word, the, the combination of v'es kol, then there are other words which you kind of link to one another, in other words, there's a string of words which are connected. The way I understand in simple English is that when you've got a long train, you need to put commas, you need to put pauses in, in that train. So if it was a short thing, it would be the S kol mine. But if the S kol mine is also the toivo, 
It's a long tray. If you think of Apostle Kimbaracious, so you have, when you have a train, you can't just, um, you, you need to have pauses along the way. And that's the difference between the S and the ACE. The S is, uh, you've got this makaf, this connector, without a pause. And the ACE, with the more emphasis, means with a pause. So Rizalman Hena, He's, he insists that there needs to be the ace to create a kind of pause. And the Alter Rebbe evidently did take this on, uh, take, to accept this, not in the first print, but as you know, when the first print was published, the Alter Rebbe was upset about several changes. Um, the parallel which I have to this is the... Um, it's slightly different, but it's similar. And here there's a difference um, in the scores. This appears that is in two places. It is in um, the Baracha Beri Nefoshes. It's also in the, at, the, the davening of Rosh Hashanah. Um, that's the end of a sentence. So there again, you have that change, whether it's koil or kol, and Reb Zalman Hena, for the similar uh, explanation, feels that there ought to be the koil, a slight pause there. Now, without going too much into the detail, but meanwhile, I, this conversation I had with someone, as I said, is very much into the background of davening. He sent me a whole... Um, a whole study of which he had made on the use of coil or coal in Boyer But meanwhile, I just want to share with you one fascinating thing that in the Alter Rebbe's Shechon Aruch in Simon Reish Zion, he brings two pirushim of how you understand the phrase of Chesroinon or Koil Mashabaras. Often the Rebbe would quote this in the Sikhis, and that which they're lacking, there are things which are necessities. Those are the things which are the extras. To give extra umph, extra, what do you have? Things like nash, or high energy stuff. These are things which are created to give boosts. That's one way of learning Pshat. But then this was, which was new to me, is a pirish of the Yarizal, and this is this is what I want to share with you. A fascinating shot. And this is from you can see it's from Sefer Halikutim from the Arizal in Parshas Akev, I think. He says the following: alludes to the neshamis, which chesroin means the ones who are lacking, that they didn't manage to accomplish. And their sojourners with this world, they didn't accomplish what they needed to do. Therefore, they have to come back down again. And we, so they have the concept of Gilgul Neshamas. And as we know, the concept of Gilgul can be also in a plant, it can be in an animal or other species. So, and they sometimes go through that they are lacking completeness. Then, then the Ebishter puts them into a something or other, and then they have now the opportunity of being revived. 
to begin fresh chayas. And by using this food and making a bracha with it and using the energy for, for good, so then that's lahachis benefesh kochai. So the chesroinon refers to the Gilgul Hanashama, that he, because he lacked shleimus uh, the first time, lahachis benefesh kochai, we, by eating this food, are able to, to elevate that food and thereby give chayas to that nefesh who had uh, come here in a Gilgul. So I just found that a fascinating shot. Obviously, Apikabola, but it is, you know, the famous story, I think, with the Balshemtiv. Someone who came to Balshemtiv and the Balshemtiv told a whole story about a soicha, about a, a grain who was a Gilgul and was waiting and waiting till he should get, get a tikkun. Finally, he comes into, made into a grain of barley, then he comes into, in, into a, 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 a whiskey, and then he the yid bought him from the shelf. From the, in, the, in the shop, and then the yid is uh, has a goisha customer, and they pour out a drink, and they should both uh, have a drink of, of a whiskey to, on, on the deal, and then the yid picks up the glass. The shamos how happy he's in the yid's glass and the goisha glass, and the yid was embarrassed to make a bracha, and he drank the, the whiskey without a bracha, and the balshemto said that the shama was your zayda, and the person faints. And then the Vashemta gives a whole derech of Tikkun, how to, um, he, he remembered now this story. He had had this, he was the Seicher, he was the businessman, and he had uh, not made a Shechiyah, and not made a Bracha out of, uh, he was inhibited. And uh, he had failed his Zedas Neshama uh, in being able to give it a Tikkun. Okay, so let's move on. Here's a question someone asked me to try to clarify We've got, sometimes we say we shouldn't indulge in horoscope, in, in uh, the, these extrasensory things we should be avoiding. And yet we've got so many things which you've got. I mean, Minog Yisrael, there is a same thing about what time of the month do we make a chasna preferably, which now we're not so particular about because of the pressure, not delaying weddings. Um, but we have but moving into a house, not on a Monday or a Wednesday, we have about um, when to make Kiddush, uh, lots of things which we do. Um, and then there's a business we've come to about spending money on Matzah Shabbos. So there's, there are various things which we don't, which we do avoid. And so let's like try to get sort out what is okay, okay, what is not okay. And I'm telling you ahead. There's not everything's going to be totally clear. Just one. <laughs> so, all right. So here we have a Gemara in Chulin. See, Reb Shimon ben Eloza says, "Ba'is tinoik v'isha, afal nachash yesh simen." You shouldn't be using these as a nachash, as a form of divining, but you are allowed to regard them as a simen. What this means practically, what this means is that if, let's say, a person moved house and he looks back and he says, since I moved to this house, I, these things have been going successfully. This has been successful. That has been successful. He identifies and he says, this, this house has brought me good mas. What's the, what's the enough community? It comes a stage where he may be thinking perhaps to move a house and he says no i don't want to move from this house 
because this house has brought me good maz. Or it could be the other way around. It could be the negative. That since he moved into this house, he's had that calamity, Rahman al-Islam, this and that, and he feels that this hasn't been a mazl de kamu. And therefore, he's ready to, it makes it helps to make the decision to move on. So that's the simon. So that's okay. And Rebbe Loza says, that's provided that this has been recognized over three times. Where do we see a precedent? Yaakov Avinu, he says, Yosef has disappeared. Shimon is no longer here. He'll take Binyamin and he'll disappear. Then I'm, I'm destined to, uh, to misfortune. So he makes some kind of simon. I mean, these are two, three separate, two or three separate events. But he sees this as a certain thread, uh, a certain trend. And so that's, that's called simon. And that seems to be legitimate. So let's take a look now in the Shukhanaru. We have here, um, it's from Simon Kufayin Tess in Yeridea. Interesting. Yeridea, in the middle of the second volume, has the laws of Avedazara. After Yai Nesech, then you've got about 30 Simon in Babad Avedazara. Then it's about Ribis. After the end of Ribis, then you've got a few things about Malbush Isho and um, Payas. And also about witchcraft of it. We should not be consulting astrologers or sorting things through lots, etc. Um, as it says, certainly you shouldn't be consulting. You shouldn't be consulting people who are telling you um, information through. Um, Witchcraft, etc. Having said that, that you shouldn't be consulting, then it says next if it's customary to avoid starting a new project on a Monday or a Thursday, on a Wednesday, and and weddings are made only when the moon is waxing rather than it's waning. Just to repeat what I said before, nowadays we don't worry about this. The reason being because otherwise it would cause weddings to be delayed longer and longer. And it's a greater virtue to have the wedding sooner than to be conscientious about this union of Mazel. And this is in Chabad, and this is also in other circles too. Um, Therefore, he says that Amor says, therefore, there's customary for the Zman of the, the Yeshivas to start in Shkodesh, because although a Nichush, yes, Simon. So we're seeing here that there is room for Simon. The way I understand this, just to summarize, is Nachash is, you say, a cat crossed my path, therefore, I'm not going to do this project. There's no logical um, connection, not even by any stretch. It's putting one thing with another without any uh, connection at all. Let's say, though, it's on a Shabbos afternoon, and I've got a choice to go to visit this child or that child. And I decide I'm going to come to the corner, and if there's someone, if there's the traffic lights is this way, I'll go to this one. If the traffic lights are the other way, I'm going to go to the other one. There, there, there is that that would seems to be legitimate. 
because uh, there's there is a certain logic. There seems to be a um, a more readiness to go in that direction. So you follow that. And that seems to be legitimate. Also, when there is a mocker in Torah, when this, as we said, um, the Monday and the Wednesday, there's a husband, the Mashach on the spot explains that the, the uh, astrology in, in Chazal, they say the astrology of Monday and Wednesday is not, not doesn't bode so well. All right, so you have a mocker in Torah. Um, about the Motzah Shabbos, about not spending money on the Motzah Shabbos. So the Rebbe Rashab would tell his Rebbe, since mentioned the Rashim Asayoyman, if you anticipate you'll need money, um, ask me on Friday, don't ask me on Motzah Shabbos. So they were Chayshish, but tried to avoid spelling it out. So even where there are things which we would um, be conscious of and to avoid, but we'd avoid spelling out that we're doing so because of the concern of, of uh, it being um, a not good omen, etc. Then we have here the other another uh, um, thing which it says, although it says you shouldn't consult Geirolis, but to ask a child, tell me a posset which you learned. So we know the story with Mordechai. You saw this as a, as a, as a, as a, a kind of mini nevuah. And that's, that's, that's legitimate. So since it's coming from Torah, there seems to be a legitimacy to it. Yeah, those who are a uh, little bit, it says here, it's not something necessary which is so recommended, but there are, there are grounds to this, um, which obviously brings to mind the whole idea of many people using Igris Kodesh in certain ways, in whichever page they open to, etc. There is a yesod for it, does it mean that that's a recommended mahalach for Chabad? It's certainly something which, is, which wasn't in Chabad um, 30 years ago. So is that uh, recommended or not? That's, uh, that's another question. If someone wants to read up on that in uh, Rabbi Gorari's series of Chikrei Minhogim, he's got a whole uh, chapter on this and you can read it there. All right, let's move on to something. Uh, another question. Here are the questions, the following, that someone met an old friend of his on Shabbos Ed of Shavuos, and is schmoozing with him, and he tells him about what he's doing, publishings for him. And this fellow is a, is a Balchuma from a wealthy family. Also, his parents are no longer alive, and uh, there's him and his sister, who they have a, a char charitable trust of the family. He wasn't actually soliciting any money, but he was just telling his friend. And a few days after Shavuos, he opens the uh, an envelope in the mail, and there there's a check for a thousand dollars from uh, from the trust of this family, which is very exciting. But the uh, he say he looks at the the date of the signature, the date of the postmark. And the date is, is, is the second day of Yom Tov. So now he's wondering, am I allowed to bank this check, which was written probably by a Jew, on Yom Tov? This is the question. So now, this brings us to the question, what's called Masi Shabbos, something which was generated by a forbidden activity on Shabbos. Are you allowed to have benefit from it? So 
the the primary source is in the dinim of cooking on Shabbos and Shin Yudches, and where we have where someone cooked on Shabbos. So it says that for the person who cooked, so that food is forbidden forever. If he did so willfully, knowing it's Shabbos, and nevertheless he violated Shabbos, the 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 um the one the one who did the act is forbidden to benefit from it. And for others, it's muta mutza Shabbos. Now I know we know there's the term of shoigeg, which is a more lenient halacha, but I don't think it's correct to refer to a person who doesn't keep Shabbos as shoigeg. Shoigeg means if you tell him that, that today is Shabbos, you tell him that this is also a Shabbos, they would desist. That's not what we're talking about. Here we're talking about a person who says, I'm not religious. So he's not a shogi as such. You might give some other names, Tinek Shanishba if you want, but it's not, it doesn't have the definition of a shogi. Therefore, it would be loy Um Now here's another interesting point. If a person cooks on Shabbos, not only is the food osso but also the pot in which he cooked is also osso now, that's a very interesting point, because you could then, according to what I just said, if a person was not Shema Shabbos and used to use a kettle on Shabbos, now they become Shema Shabbos, Baal Shiva, or Hashem, it would work out that would have to cash with the kettle. It's very interesting, because how do you cash with a kettle? A kettle, what is it? It's the water. Are you, are you going to get the water? The water doesn't have a taste. So what, what does it mean? What are you going to cash here? Fine. Anyway, let's, let's keep to our point. The Alter Rebbe in Simashin Yurches says that although that the one who violated Shabbos is not allowed to have benefit, for others it's muta, af im bishel The intended beneficiary is allowed to have benefit from the malacha after Shabbos. So coming back to our case, a check was written by A for the benefit of B. So then, according to what's written over here, for whom it was cooked, is allowed to have benefit after Shabbos. Not so poshut, because a similar halacha appears in Simatov Kuf Gimel in Hilchas Yom Tov. And here, the Alter Rebbe paskins differently. He says that these foods which were cooked in violation of Yom Tov, whatever the de- detail is there, also the penalty that is not allowed to have benefit from the food is not only for himself, but also for his family. So here we have an ad- a, 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 evidently a contradiction. When there is a penalty on a person who is machal, does it include the family for whom it was cooked or only the person who did the actual cooking? In the Alter Rebbe's, well, in the Morgan of Rome, in Shin Yudches, he brings two sides. In Hiches Yomtiv, in the Kuntus Achren, the Alter Rebbe discusses this, and there he takes the view that he includes the family too, in which case the same thing should apply here, that the check is written for so-and-so, so it was the intended beneficiary should also be included. Um, I know I'm uncomfortable about the contradiction here. One mitigation or perhaps to explain perhaps why the um here is one way one's the other 
possibly in Hilchas Shabbos, because people are more conscientious about the severity of violating Shabbos, there's no need to extend the penalty to Anshe Beisa, to the beneficiaries. In Hilchas Yomta, where people are not so aware, not so perhaps careful about the Surim of Yomtuf, therefore there's need for that penalty when there was a violation to include Anshe Beisa. Okay, that doesn't help us at all, because here we're talking about someone who wrote a check on Yom Tov for someone else, and then according to the Hilchah Psach and Hilchah Yom Tov, it is Osur for the beneficiary. The only thing is that the check, no one's eating the check. The check is basically a key to access funds from the bank account. So I don't, I'm not interested in having the check. It's, it's different. But, so this I found in a sefer called Bibina Vodas talks about a check written for someone. You could say you're not eating, you're not nehene, you're not enjoying the actual check. What do you say? Well, you're getting the equivalent. You're getting what's released through it. So I wasn't so confident with this header. But one, one, one header I think is that He's, the check is not written for him. The check is written for his charitable endeavors. Therefore, it's not Bishviloy. It's Bishvil, it's the, the, the thousand dollars is for the community who will benefit from whatever, whatever charitable activities this young fellow is doing. So therefore, it's not it's, it's not Bishviloy, and therefore Bishvil Kola Oilam, it certainly is Mutter. Let me just see what some people have written in the chat before we go into the next question. What about the spiritual benefit for the person who wrote? That's a good point. The person, uh, on the one hand, um, would have a benefit of the tzedakah which he's giving. That's true. Um, of course, there is. You could go back and ask for a new check, but that's that's a, a bit of an awkward situation. You can all understand that. Um, Mendel is challenging that it wasn't written la anshe so That's true, but it was. It, it, I think la anshe means the intended beneficiary. So if it was for his personal use, so he is the one for whom it was done. And that would be included. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so someone asked me the question during this past week. What happens if I hear a brocha, which is not according to my nusach? So, for example, um, the Sfardim don't say a, a, a woman would not say a bracha on on luluf because it's mangroma. The Rambam holds that a woman shouldn't be making a bracha. So what happens if a Sfardi here's a here's a woman Shkenazi or Sfardi saying a bracha al natilas luluf? So does he answer Amen? Does a Chabadnik? We don't say bracha al mitzvah tefillin on the shel rosh. If I'm in shul and I hear someone put on, on tefillin, it puts on says it's Ashkenazi, and he says shel bracha on shel rosh. Do I say bracha? Do I say amen? Sorry. Um, I often, for my because of my schedule or lack of schedule, will daven in a non chabad minion. 
And they say after Hashkivenu, they say Baruch Hashem Leolam. Do I answer Amen or that Baruch? So this is the question. Yeah, when I see someone's putting my Baruch Hatam Kadosh Mevarabim, all right, yes, same same question. So here we have in Shulchan Aruch Simereish Tesva, one who says a Baruch Sheino one who says a Baruch which is not unwarranted. So then that's considered uttering Hashem's name Lashov in vain. It's as if he had made us an oath in vain. But also, you're not allowed to answer Amen. That's the Shekhanarach. So if someone says a Baruchah, the Vatola, a Baruchah, even, so then you shouldn't be answering Amen. Says now the Mishnah Brura in Bir Halacha. Let's read this carefully. However, he says, Im echod if that other person is following a legitimate opinion, that other opinion is not totally rejected from Poskim. And he gives the example of Beri Hashem which is an interesting example. Um, so you don't subscribe, so to speak, to that view. Therefore, you're not obliged to answer on. You're not obliged to answer on. There's no isur if you do answer. And as he quotes the Primagodim, to say a broch in vain is included in loisisa, as if you're making a false oath, as said in the Shukhanaruch. But to answer on when it's unwarranted would not fall into that category of loisisa. So what that person did, that's his business. But for me to answer Amen, I don't have to feel guilty uh, answering Amen, even if I don't actually say hold of saying that bracha, because that bracha is a legitimate bracha according to um, you know, recognized Pascha. So according to this, it's okay for me to answer Amen on the bracha of Al-Mitzah's tefillin, even though I don't say it myself uh, in this situation, unless I was mafzik, etc. So that's the position of the of the Mishnah Brura. Um, Rabbi uh, Avadio Yosef, he says differently, and he says that a, an Ashkenazi woman will say a bracha, which for them is not a bracha levatola, but since the Asfardis listening follows the Shukhanaruch, he should not answer Amen for something which in his opinion is a bracha levatola. And it's a Suffolk Amen Yesoy Melchumra as quoted in Rambam. So that's very interesting. Whilst the Mr. Bura had quoted the Prima Godim, that it no, not, no, no, don't worry about Loisissa by answering Amen. If it's unwarranted, the uh, Rebavadi Yosef, he is quoting Amen uh, Yosoyma. They should avoid it. So I think the general minig is more like the Mr. Bura, that it's Mishgeferloch to answer Amen. I would only add that after Baruch Hashem Le'olam, it's not only a question of Omen Levato, it's a question of Hefzik, because the Alter Rebbe tells us not to recommend, to not to say Veshamru, and so it's not just because of Kassin Baruch Levato, it's because there should not be an interruption between Gal Yisroel and Shemun Esther, Geula and Tfila. So the reason, so the, 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 there's, the reason why we have a Kaddish at night between 
seems to be because of the impression or the idea that Arvis is Rashus, etc. The emphasis on Smichis Gu'ula Litfila Balailo is less. That's why in Ashkenaz Minhig they would announce Yala Vyovoi on Rashkhaidash. Um after Hashkivain or after Borhashim, I'm not sure, but they would allow to announce Yala Vyovi then because they take the view that uh it's, that by Maidiv the emphasis on Smichis Gula Litfula Litfilov is not so strong. Um the Al Rebbe um, it, it takes it stricter. He says you should avoid being mafsi ben geula litfila even by ma'ariv. Therefore, not to say the announcement and the, uh, of yalav yove, and therefore not to say b'shamru, not to say bor hashem leolam. And therefore, I think the omen of bor hashem leolam falls into that category of chashash hefsik, uh, and therefore <coughs> room to be more machbe. Not to say it. Um, <coughs> All right, so suggesting a way of, of avoiding the Shaila. Yes, true. Let's move on. Okay. So here are Shaila which came up. And uh, it's interesting because it's, we just had this in Rambam. Um, last week, we were learning in 33 Prokim a day, the last two, three Prokim of in Rambam is Bichas Koyanim. There the Rambam says that if a Koyan had converted to another faith and now he wants to come back, Hashem, but he's not allowed to do, he's not allowed, he doesn't have the privileges of a Kohuna. Um, there is the Mishnah towards the end of Masechas Vochim about Beis Chonyoi. There was this temple in Egypt which was uh, led by Chonyoi, who had got into a fight with his brother Aristobulus, and he fled to Egypt and made a temple there. And there's a discussion in the Gemara, was it, was it for Avedizara or was it, was it for Avedis Hashem? It was just, he wasn't allowed to do it, we did it, but was it Avedizara or not? This could be just Kochim Bachutz, but not Avedizara. Meanwhile, there's a discussion whether the Koyanim who, who served in base Chonyoi, are they allowed to serve in the base Hamik? On, based upon that sugi, it looks like, the Rambam takes the view that if a Koyan had defected and served Avedazara, he will lose his privilege. Even if he comes back, he doesn't come back to be a, a functioning Koyan. The Alter Rebbe says the opposite. And in the Rambam, on the spot, you have Hagos Maimonios. And there he quotes, in the Hagos Maimonios quotes from Rabbeinu Gershon, Moira who disagrees with the Rambam and says that Shuva works for this also. So this you have now a quote on the screen from the Alter Rebbe Shechonorach Simen Kuf Chav Ches, which is about Bichas Koyanim, and he says Sifnun Aleph, the Koyan Shrehemir who had, had converted to another faith, even to Islam, which is not a Vedazara, so he's penalized and he has lost his, his privilege um, of Kahuna. But then he adds, If he did do tshuva, even if his defection was not to Islam, but to Christianity, and he came back, 
he is restored to his uh, Kedusha and he does do Nesias Kapayim. So this is where we have a clear Pesach and Shukhanoruch, which is not like the Rambam fine. Meanwhile, whilst we're talking about this, certainly a um, person who went through baptism, a Yid who went through baptism, should be taken to Mikveh. Um, there is in the last um, Seif in Hechaz Gedim, wherever it is, some of Reisham Ches, I think, so the Rambam brings this Indian, and there's also from the Rebbe, uh, letters strong, uh, very strongly encouraging the person who um, had gone through a formal conversion to to uh, Christianity should go through uh, a, uh, a purification of that, and that's through going to mikveh. And um, my experience with this, I've had it a few times. Um, sometimes we had some girls who had been in the school here, and they had been in the former Soviet Union, and um, the, the afterwards their 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 feeling was a tremendous. Uh, relief of a, a massive stone off their chests felt a a, a, a relief a, 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 in their relationship to Yiddishkeit. Right, Rabbi Cohen is um, mentioning if a Koyan is guilty of bloodshed, even if it was Bishogeg, that would be a different story. Um, yes, that's true. And um, there's a discussion in contemporary forum if he's driving a car and Pastor Shalom caused um, a fatality, um, whether he would be allowed to continue doing his uh, being an co- um, active coin in Duchenen. All right, Rosalish um, Wissen. Right, so here I have a very interesting. A fellow is going on a hike and he doesn't have. There's no water, no, no drinkable water. For Natilas Yadayim, it has to be drinkable water. I was once, um, years ago, I was in uh, Tisra with my children, and we went to Tveria. And um, we were by, outside this hotel, and there's this pond, this artificial pond in front of the hotel, boiling hot water. I've never seen anything any, anywhere else the same. Imagine a built-up pond is about you know, four foot off the ground. It's partially boiling water. Um, that was only water available for some reason because we were not paying hotel fees. Uh, we were just uh, you know uh, taking a free ride, so we were uh, we weren't allowed into the hotels. So we didn't have any water. The only water we had was from this this boiling water. It's how much boiling. Um, waited till it cooled down, but really that water is not kosher for Tisida because it's got sulfur. And sulfuric water is posifantisidae. So I'm just telling you in case you're stuck in um, near sulfuric water, it's no good for antisidae. But dirty water, which is not drinkable, is posifantisidae. It is, however, kosher as a mikvah. So now this fellow is on a hike, and the only water he has is a river, and the river is dirty water. Still, you know, he's hungry, wants to eat his sandwiches, so he wants to do a dip his hands in the in the in the river. The, the problem is that a few weeks ago he had heard, listened on this uh, panorama of Halacha here that there's problems sometimes with rivers that there's a a dam upstream, electricity dam, and as a result, all the water which comes downstream is Maim Shuvim has been disqualified because it's come through the dam. Now. 
the context at the time was for Tevila of a person's Chayv Tevila, Noshim perhaps, or Tevila's Kalim. It wasn't in the context of Tevila for Netzilas Yodai. So you, so let's look at this carefully. Are the rules for Tevilas Yodayim as strict as the rules for Tevila of a person or Tevilas Kalim? Bear in mind that Tevilas Kalim, according to some, is a Din Min whereas Netzilas Yodayim is a Takana Shloim HaMelech, Tevilas Yodayim is a parallel, so to speak, but it's certainly a pure Derabonon, therefore there could be room to be more lenient. What is not fit for a mikveh, for other things, may be fit for a mikveh for tevilas yodai. So, um, let's just see what we can bring up over here. Um, so, um, I don't. I don't have it on the screen. But is a bit of leeway on this. And ma'im shuvim, water drawn in buckets, and in this case through the electricity dam, is not kosher for a mikveh, but um, would be acceptable for tvilas yadayim for the following reason: that something called hamshocha. Um, which means when the water of the, the postal water travel over a stretch of, here we have it. This is, um, so, are possible, but if this, the water, which were shuvim, which were in buckets, are flowing over a stretch of land, then they are become kosher. So, therefore, coming back to this question, the, the water downstream after the electricity dam is indeed kosher for tevilas yadayim because it's shuvim behamshoch. That doesn't take away the principal question. Let's say instead of the question it being because of an el dam upstream, the question is uh, it's water from you go in the mountains, you go in the Alps, or you go in Snowdon or whatever, and you've got these rivers coming down. And those rivers are only there in the summer when there's melting snow. The rule is that a mikveh, if it is water from a spring, even if it's running water, it's kosher. That's called zeichale. But water from rain or from melting snow, if it's flowing, it's possible for a mikveh. Now, there are opinions, again, who say that although Zoichalim is possible for Tvila, for a mikveh, there are those who say that it is kosher for Netilas Yodai, that you would be allowed to dip your hands in Zoichalim. In, 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 in so you've got this mountain stream. So there are those who say that it would be kosher for Tvilas Yodai. Okay. Now it says, Dr. Rebbe writes, if you dipped your hand in such a pool of, of in a river of Zoichalin, so you're Yotzebedi Yevet, but if you have now an opportunity to wash again, you should wash again. And if you wash, made a brach on the first one, 
you should not make a bracha on the second one. Here, come back to the main question. When you are fulfilling a mitzvah, mis- and your yotzer, misofik, because we say sofik drabon and the Fine. Can you make a bracha on that which you are fulfilling a mitzvah misofik? Because we have a, a klal of sofik brachas lahakil. So, although on the one hand, Sophic nitilis yadaim is kosher. You see, your hands are kosher. Are, are, are you allowed to eat your bread? But are you allowed to make a bracha on sophic nitilis yadaim? This is the question. So here we have the Mishnah Brura in Simon. Is it? Um, in, this is in, um, I think it's Kuf Samach Aleph. I have a note over here. Uh, in Simon Kuf Samach in Bir Halacha, he says the following. He quotes the Prima Godin. Once you have license, Chazal said, you are allowed to use this water for Natiya Sedeim. If so, you can make a brach. You've got this body of water. Shuvim, whatever, Zoychalin. Chazal said, yes, it's kosher for Natiya Sedeim, because sulfur in Natiya is kosher. Okay, then you can make a brach on that. That's what the way the people God says. Now, this is very, very interesting because in the dinim of Kazayis for the Sedanite, we have a Mishtabrura who has a problem with this. There are two opinions whether Kazayis is a half an e- the volume of an egg or a third of the volume of an egg. For Matzah, we take the larger amount. Kazayis is the equivalent of half an egg in volume. For Morer, it is a third of an egg. So the shear of kazais for morer is smaller than the shear of kazais for matzah. No news over there. But let's read the Mishnah If you had a third of an egg volume of morer, you have to make a bracha on the morer. So how can you make a bracha? It's a sophic. Well, hang on a second. You just told me that if I wash into your shadaim, which is the halacha, it is valid. Primagodim tells me that I'm allowed to make a bracha on it. So now I've got this piece of morer. Can I be yotzer with this morer? The halacha is there, yes. So according to this, it should be the same rule, that I should be able to make a bracha ala chilas morer on the smaller shear, since the, the uh, decision is that it's valid. Reb Chaim Noah addresses this in, in, uh, in Shiore Torah. He says it's poshut, that when the Alter Rebbe an earlier post can say that for more you can rely on the shear of a third of a beta. So then they mean that you can be that you can make a bracha. Otherwise, they would have told you that you know it's all very well, but you're missing out on the bracha. Okay, so what we're seeing here is that that with this, this body of water, um it seems to be that we would follow the primigodim, and that's borne out by the Alter Rebbe's position also, the Gabim Morer, that you can make a bracha ala chilas morer, even on a shlish beya, because that's the psaq, that you're yotzu with this, you can make a bracha. So by the same token, when you have this water, which it could be, it's like uh, from um, water which is coming down from, uh, what do we say, from Haftoras, from Zoychalin, but 
happens now that, that, that since you are Yotsa, then you can make a bracha on this. Now, there's another interesting, uh, 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 helpful note, and that is the concept of Svex fake. We just came through Sri Asra If you missed one night Sri Asra you can't count the next night with a bracha. What happens if you're not sure whether you missed? So then you can continue counting with a bracha. So we have there, and this is a letter of the Rebbe, and we see Svex fake that you can make a bracha. And so it's a similar idea. You have here that it's, you, since you are um, able to ful fulfill this mitzvah, so then you can make a bracha. Okay, that's as much as I can say for the moment. It looks like that uh, even though there's a suffix to say that the water is from melting snow and therefore there are those who say it's not kosher, but there are those who say it is kosher and therefore you would be allowed to make a bracha um, the brocha for dipping your hands is not al natil shudaim. It's not al tevila shudaim because you don't have to do tevila. And so the Alter Rebbe has al shifa shudaim, the washing of the hands in more generic terms. Okay, let's move on. All right. Um, so number seven on our list is onions were fried in a milchik frying pan, and whilst still very hot. These onions were placed on a meaty and a fleshika china dish. Is the dish now treif? So we're all familiar where certainly anyone who's learned Yedidea, the concept of Dovar Kharif, and if you cut an onion with a fleshika knife, so then that onion becomes fleshik. And if you then mixed it to put it into a, a, a milchika soup, you'd have uh, you'd have to have shishim against. Well, however you work it out, but you'd have to have you'd have to get a bit of a shishim, whether it's about the volume of the onion or the volume of the knife. But meanwhile, we would say that there's a presence of fleshics in the in the onion. There, the typical scenario is what's called duchke de sakina. There's a friction, a pressure combined with the with the, in other words, the friction when you when you chop the onion, plus the sharpness of the onion. So the two together uh, are creating that the taste would from the knife will be imparted to the to the onion. It goes even more than that. But even if normally we say if a dish hasn't been used for 24 hours, we'll say it doesn't cause it. So it's called nosen tamlif In the case of dovacharif, the dovacharif takes that that rancid taste and refreshes it. And this even if it's more than 24 hours. Since that knife was used for cutting uh, fleshics, it will still make the onion fleshics. What about frying onions? Does the concept of dovacharif work over here? So here we've got this milchik frying pan. hasn't been used for 24 hours for milchik. I fried onions in it. Does the dovacharif of the onions bring out the taste of that um, of that frying pan, the milchika taste. And even if it's more than 24 hours, it's going to become fresh again. In other words, does cooking dovacharif compare with cutting dovacharif? That's that's the question. Now, actually, I think it's fairly straightforward. In the Ramor, it's a tucked away because in Simon Sadik Vov, that's where he talks about chopping dovacharif. But here in Simon Kufzad, sorry, there's a Kufzad and Sadik Vov. In Simon Sadik Hay, he says the following. 
talking there about the concept of nut by nut. You know, the idea of you, you um, cooked uh, potatoes in a fleshy dish, and now, so those potatoes are still power because it's fleshed into the dish and dish and, and, and from the dish into the into the potatoes. So then that's called nut by nut, and the, the potatoes are not fleshy. If the cooked item, not potatoes, it's over hard if it is being cooked. So here we have you cooked over hard. So then it has in Bishloy Becholo, Oisa Philip the Evid. So if you'd cooked a Dover Kharif in a Freshika dish, which in a Freshika pot, which is more than 24 hours since it was used, doesn't matter. The Dover Kharif is going to uh, refresh the taste there and it's going to become a tam which is potent to, to answer the food of the other the other side from meat or meat, milk milk to meat or meat to milk. So therefore, um, we're not talking about a few onions in an omelette. We're talking here where onions were fried, perhaps a lot of onions on their own in a, a milky frying pan. So that falls into the definition of cooking it of a charif, which that I'm always talking about here. Now you can see here there's a symbol that on, on the Zion, etc. The Piske Tshuva does bring others who disagree with it, but the pastors, this is the Amor, they, by cooking it of a charif, it will um, impart a taste to the onions, etc. And they will become, in our case, they came milchik. So if you now fried a lot of onions in a milchik frying pan, those onions are now as if they were cooked with milk. Now, whilst it was still very hot, you put them onto a meaty plate. So now the question is, what do you do with that plate? So the answer to this is that the plate will still remain kosher. The reason is that the if you had taken those onions and warmed them up in a Fleshika dish in a fleshika thing, then that would be contrary because it's milky onions now cooked in a fleshika dish. And it's, it's, uh, yeah, but if it's just the hot onions were placed into the milky, into the fleshika dish, fine. So it's cliche. I know you might start saying dobagush, that a solid a food retains its uh, temperature. The Alter Rebbe doesn't bring it la locha. And the Ramo doesn't, before the Alter Rebbe doesn't bring it, La it's a Chumra, the Marshal. So Dover Gush itself is not, not, not reason to ask her something which can't be casted. This is the point she want to say. And here we have Simon Kufhei talking about um Klisheni. first opinion, does not cook. Some say, although Klisheni doesn't cook, it does, Yesh um, Oimrim, it does impart taste into the container. So what's the what's the story with the cliche? So the psach here in Shukhanoch and Kufhesif base, the Khatrila Klisheni is Mavliya Maflit, but the Yevet mutable clip of a badocha be almasagi. So if it were a metal dish, I would say to Kasha that dish, perhaps. The Klesik dish. If it's an earthenware for China, which can't be cashed, so the Psach Haloch is going to then say Klisheni is not Belea, and therefore that the Fleshik dish remains kosher, you don't have to discard it. Okay.
we have one last question on our list and there's no um there's no slide for that so we can close the slide and that is someone asked me a question about two weeks ago but it was a bocher was running the kitchen in a yeshiva and he has to buy um wine for the bocherim and is asking they we have various wines yain kal three and a half percent four percent what but it's in bachim in terms of mimi wants to give them not no he doesn't want to short change them what level would be mahuda so i told him approximately seven seven percent would be considered mahuda i didn't have very strong uh for that but i felt and there is idea that that the wine should be a yain hamasameach should have something which would um, lift your mood a little bit. The yain uh, kal is is um, it's it's almost like grape juice. It has negligible amount of alcohol. Um, so I was pleased that I found there's this excellent guide from the later of Blumenkrantz, a guide for Hukas Pesach. Very very practical stuff. Um, so he takes the view that. When the wine has already got five or six percent, is already considered mahuder. So I feel I wasn't too far off. Um, too much, you know, solid evidence I don't have, but I think that's good enough to say that if it's got a little bit of alcoholic content. Would already be called yainham sameach, and would be adequate to be mikayim. Uh, to be called mahuder. Okay, so that's that's what we have for tonight, and I wish you all. I'm Gutten Shabbos. Thanks for participating, and we should meet in good health. And Ula Shlemo, Mashiach Tzedkain of Meher Yameinu Mamish. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.